So yeah, how did you far. get over that initial hmm. fear of putting in an offer, locking up a property? Cause you went for four properties your first time, right? So how did you do that? Cause yeah. I know a lot of people struggle right there. Yeah. I, like I said, remember that internal optimist that, that I am, I just decided I was going to get them. I, I'm going to get them. I'm going to have Adam tell me what I need to do and we're going to make it work. I know everybody says this, right? It's always go big or go home. If you're not going to do it, don't do it, right? You have to just commit. I feel like a lot of people, even, you know, that I see on the group that I, that I know in life, right? We, we spend so much energy and time debating with ourselves about how to move forward that we don't actually move forward, right? So you just have to decide that you're going to do it and, and take that step. And that first step is always the hardest, right? But once you start, you realize, you know, I didn't die, right? It's okay. I, I can do this again. And then you just keep on, keep on going. This episode is sponsored by our upcoming virtual conference called the Fast Fire to Freedom Summit, running August 17th through the 20th, 2021. Are you curious about investing in real estate, but aren't sure if it's the right fit for you? Join us and other trailblazing physician investors and their spouses for a four-day deep dive into their experiences building their real estate portfolios. You'll hear from them about how investing in real estate, specifically cash-flowing rentals, has accelerated their journeys to fire and to freedom. See the link in the show notes for additional details. We'll see you there. This episode is sponsored by our brand new course called Fast Fire Bookkeeping for Real Estate Investors. Do you have a pile of receipts and a bunch of statements that are stacking up in your office and the pile isn't getting any smaller? Are your rental properties getting you closer to financial freedom? Do you even know how your properties are performing? Well, the answer to your problem is doing your books the right way, and that's what our course is about. We'll teach you how to set up your books the right way, not just for tax time, but also so you can unlock the insights that will help you maximize your cash flow. For more information or to sign up, go to semiretiredmd.com forward slash fast fire bookkeeping. Welcome to the Doctors Building Wealth Podcast, the place where we talk about the strategies, habits, and mindset that separate wealthy docs from those who are not. We're your hosts, Leiti and Kenji. We are so excited to have one of our former students, Elisa Krim, here with us. And I really wanted to have Elisa join us because she had such an incredible story. And I remember when we had her join as a mentor. And so what we do in our course is we actually ask former students to come in and mentor other students in the course and help them through their journey. And she volunteered to be a mentor. And she wrote this post in there that was incredible. And I was so inspired. And I knew that we had to have her on our podcast to tell her story and to show people what's possible. So welcome to Rich Doc Poor Doc. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Kenji and Leiti for having me today. Yeah. And so to, to give you guys a little bit more context about the post, the student was uh, really struggling, uh, was stuck, was was really just wondering, like, how do you juggle a full-time career, family, 
and then also this real estate venture, right? And so there were a lot of uh, amazing responses. But as Leiti said, Elisa's really stood out. Maybe just to get this started, I mean, could you just tell the listeners uh, your background, kind of, you know, what you do now? Like, and please don't don't hold back. Please kind of list out all the things that you do because I think it's really important for people to understand, right? That you are taking on a lot of responsibilities both at work and at home, and then you're also you know, doing this whole real estate thing. So can you tell us a little <laughs> bit about what you're, what you're yeah, doing now? Yeah. yeah. It's kind of a laundry list. All right. So I, um, I'm the, the chief of pediatric gastroenterology, hepatology and nutrition at Nicholas Children's, which is in Miami. I am the director of the IBD center there. Um, so care for personally about 150 patients with Crohn's disease and colitis. And then the center itself has about 600 patients that we care for. I sit on the National Scientific Committee for Crohn's and Colitis. I co-chair the local chapter of the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation with an adult GI. Um, I do research, uh, clinical research, because I have a master's in clinical research, which I got during fellowship. Um, I'm married. I have four kids. So I have teenagers. They are autistic, which I don't think I really shared before, but they have high-functioning autism. So that's its own little bucket of, of extra. And then I have a 12-year-old aspiring uh, actress who I just this past weekend had to shuttle like two hours away for a for a video shoot that lasted like eight hours where I got to sit in my car and just and just wait for her. And then my my youngest is uh, is nine. So and then you know a, apart from that, trying to do all of the real estate stuff, which is which has been fun. So it's it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. So how how did you even get into real estate in the first place? So my my husband and I, when we did our training, we lived in Boston. And at the time that we finished training, uh, we decided we were going to move to Miami. His parents live here, and we were deciding between Washington, D.C. and Miami. Miami, it's, like, nice and sunny. Mm-hmm. You can't see my backyard because of the glare, but, like, you know, it's, like, palm trees and a pool. It's 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 very comfortable. So when we were about to move, it was the, the crash of 2008, 2009. So the markets really tanked. We tried to sell the condo that we had owned in Boston and just – we're not getting any bites that came even close to covering kind of what we still had in the game. And so we became happenstance landlords. We decided to rent it out to um, residents, actually. So we, we lived close to the hospitals in Boston. And ever since then, we've had residents or fellows um, there living in the apartment. And we did self-manage because that's just what we did, we didn't know really that, you know, how to use a property manager. We didn't even think about it. So we've been managing that property for about 12 years. And then in the spring of this, you know, COVID hit, and all of a sudden, I started to realize that, you know, that my job was disposable, even though I do all that I do. We were asked to cut our salaries, both my husband and I, we both work for the same hospital. So all of a sudden, we're like, well, gosh, you know, what, what else could possibly happen? What if our salaries are never brought back up to whole? You know, we've got these four kids, our twins, we never really... I think they're going to do amazing things, but at the same time, we never really know. Are they going to live with us for the rest of their lives? It's it's a real possibility given their their situation socially with the autism that they struggle with. So I said, you know what? I, I saw somebody post about this real estate investing course. I'm thinking probably going to just like look at it and you know not really do anything. And then I just kind of went all in. Wow. And tell me like what about real estate interested you? Cuz there's so many ways you can go, right? To to create another source of income. Why real estate? 
Yeah. So in all fairness, I had kind of dabbled in a few little alternative things beforehand. So I dabbled in like a little skincare thing and I was like, this just isn't, it's not my jam. You know, I have on makeup today, but I don't even wear makeup on an average, you know, weekday ever. So I'm like this really, I can't, I can't really do skincare. I can't sell it legitimately. I dabbled in doing some external reviews for insurance companies, which are fine, but you're not going to generate true wealth from that. You know, and I've done some legal consulting as well, which pays very well. But I think the stress that created that kind of that feeling that I was either really having to protect a fellow physician or protect a patient was just weighed heavily on my soul. And I, I really didn't enjoy it. So I thought this seems like something that I can do. I've always loved like home and garden show and, and all of those sorts of things. I'm like, I, I think I can do real estate. I think I, this would be fun. And, and yeah, I love it actually. Now, the experience with the property in Boston, is, has that been a good experience over the last 12 years or a bad experience? Or what, what's your thoughts on that? I would say it's like a neutral. Okay. We've, we've never had a bad tenant, so that that we're super mm-hmm. fortunate. But we, we get to screen very heavily because they actually send us candidates from the hospitals, right? So they're, we, we already know that they're going to be relatively reasonable because it's their, it's their coordinator who, who sent them to us, right? So they're not going to trash our place. We kind of make enough to break even, maybe just a tiny bit more. So it's that's why it's kind of a neutral situation. There's not huge downsides. We did a lot of the fixing up of the place while we lived there. So we haven't had to have any major costs of repairs or anything since we've left. I'm sure that'll change at some point because now it's 12 years. You know, with each passing year, I, th- I think that we're going to get into that situation where where things are going to start to go awry, but it's a, a nicer condo. So it's in relatively good shape. It's a, in Boston. I don't know if you've been to Boston or familiar, but a lot of the condos in Boston are basically like duplexes, right? So it's, you know, two story buildings and first floor is one apartment. Second floor is the second apartment. So ours is the second floor apartment. The people who live in the first floor were our neighbors when we lived there. So they're kind of our eyes and ears. I guess they kind of do that property management side to a degree without really actually getting paid for it. Lucky for us. And, um, and so we've had a good experience. I think this is really smart listening to how you've set it up that they, that you're the coordinator for the residency actually sends you students Mm -hmm. and does that pre-screening. I think that's very, very cool. And something to always consider is whether or not you can create a relationship with somebody else. Like for example, um, in our 32 unit, our property manager has created a relationship with the military, right? Mm -hmm. And so we get a lot of military coming in and it's, it's very similar yeah, and if they don't pay rent, uh, he goes right to the to the major, <laughs> and uh, so you know he's got that. Uh, and sounds like similar, right? Yeah, so yeah, you could go to the coordinator. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, yeah, I mean it's it's cool. Yeah, it's it sounds like uh, because you had, and we talk about this a lot in the course. You, you've actually addressed some of the downsides of owning rentals, right? By developing a relationship with somebody who will send you qualified candidates, and then also having those boots on the ground and the eyes and ears, yeah. uh, somebody who can kind of keep an eye on your place. So yeah, he's I our own personal Ned Flanders. I, you know, he's he's a really nice guy, and he makes sure everything is is done. Basically, if they don't shovel the driveway, whatever, he 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 knocks on their door, so it oh, all gets done. So cool. Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> yeah. So you've gone through a downturn too. So how has that yeah. kind of affected how you mm. invest today? Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I didn't really consider myself an investor back then, so. I don't think it affected me in in the way that maybe people who had a little more skin in the game with multiple properties at that point in time, because for us, we were just trying to figure out how we could stay 
above water without ending up in, in a huge amount of debt that we couldn't dig ourselves out of. So I don't think it had a, as big of an impact as you might think on us at the time. We just it just kind of naturally evolved and we were super fortunate to be able to to find renters right away to to be able to have those relationships to help us make sure we we got it off the ground. Does it affect how you have purchased today, do you think, having gone through a downturn at all? Like the types of yeah. properties are not I'm really- an eternal optimist. So I really try not to think of the the negatives. I mean, of course I do. You know, my husband, when, when I told him, I remember we were on a walk. We tried to walk with our kids like in the evenings and we were mm-hmm. walking around, you know, our neighborhood and, and we were walking ahead of them and I don't, Lord knows what they were doing behind us. And I said to him, you know, I think I'm going to take this course and, you know, this is how much it is. And, he, you know, he was like, oh, grumbling a little bit. And I'm like, oh, it's going to be great. Like, this is amazing. You have no idea what the opportunities are going to be. And, I'm like, and he's like, okay, as long as I don't lose my car to him, his cars are like his, you know, fifth and sixth child. He's like, as long as I don't lose my car, you can do anything you want. I won't question it. Like I'll sign the papers. Let's do it. You know? And, and in the end, I think he, he has no regrets. I have no regrets what whatsoever. Did he do the course with you or was it more you doing it by yourself? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. No. no, he, he, he did not, you know, I think he's, he's as busy medically as I am, but he doesn't have quite the will to, uh, to do as many things on top of it. So he kind of was like, I do, I do that for him. His passion, like I said, is cars. So he's like, I've got my cars and my, my group that I do these different things with. And, I'll leave, I'll leave this up to you. Now, I mean, that said, he, he helps me when I ask him for help. So it's not that he's immune to, to assisting, you know, lending a hand, but he, he will never, you'll never catch him on Redfin or Zillow or any of these things looking at properties. It's not going to happen. <laughs> well, that's a, a really common thing, right? I mean, you've seen that over and over. We see it all the time that one partner is into it and one partner is not, and that's okay. Like that's normal. And not everyone has to share exactly the same interests. Actually, I don't think everyone shares the same interest, right? I don't want to go to every Marvel movie mm-hmm. ever made, <laughs> right. but I, I do go to some of you're, them. You're revealing my, uh, <laughs> my, my affinity for Avengers. Um, but, so but, it's, a good, it's a good movie. Yeah, they're all good. Yeah, I liked it. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think you said it's, a, it's okay, but for some people, it's not okay, right? Yeah. And uh, I think that that actually is, uh, I wanted to ask you about that. I mean, like for you, uh, you know, what makes it okay? Like, why are you like, okay, as long as he's supportive, he doesn't really have to be looking in Redfin. That doesn't bother me, right? Because for some people it does. Yeah, I think, I don't know the right way to say this without, I, I don't want to sound like I'm, you know, being flip about it, but I, I think it's about the person themselves, right? If it bothers you, it's because you're allowing it to bother you, right? You have mm-hmm. to kind of move beyond that. And if it's something that you want and you're passionate about, then then you make the commitment. It doesn't matter what he or anybody else thinks, right? As long as I know that I have his support in the end, that's to me, that's all that matters. You know, he he's not going to agree with every decision I made. I mean, I just decided to sign a, a contract on another property literally last week. And he's like, wait, what? You know, but, but he's like, okay, let me, let me sign on the line and whatever, you know? So as long as I know that in the end, he's always going to be in my corner, I don't, I don't worry whether he's going to agree. We're never going to agree on every decision, but he's giving me the autonomy. And to me, that's, that's a degree of trust that I I'm so grateful that I have. And then I, I just kind of let it all, I don't know. I consider myself a very independent person and I am, I think that's one of the things that my parents taught me, like whatever you want to do, put your head down, work hard and you're going to be able to do it. And so 
I don't really worry about every every other aspect of it. Mm. Do you run through the deals with him at least? Like at least present the case of like, hey, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I literally like, you know, he'll wake up one morning, he'll open up his inbox on his email and be like, oh, there's a contract I have to sign. And I'm like, yes, go ahead. And then he signs. <laughs> yeah. So tell our listeners what you've done mm. with your real estate portfolio since you took the course. Yeah. Okay. So I, I jumped in, you know, I knew for me, my, my long-term rental market is Tampa, right? So I started making the connections once we got to that point. I think actually I reached out to you guys and got an early introduction because I, w- I was a little bit of a gunner and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. And so I, I reached out to to um, some of the Tampa real estate agents and they started sending me some information. I got on a phone call with with Adam Rab, who I know you guys know, and and he, you know, I think we talked for like three hours. I'm like, oh my gosh, is every real estate agent going to talk to me for three hours? But I'm like, no, no, you know, this is good. This is great because this is us building a relationship. And so then Adam started sending me properties and he sent me kind of a, a package deal of a bunch of different properties that one of his acquaintances who holds a lot of real estate in the Tampa area. And I said, okay, let's make a bid on all of them. You know, let's, let's just do it. And in the end um, I got it right. So I got, I got the bid. I, I won the deal, which was fantastic. And it didn't all work out, right? Because that's life. So out of the the package of four, um, two of them didn't meet appraisal. One I let go right away because the, the difference was huge. The other one I said, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can still make it work. And we tried to fight and get it reappraised and it didn't it didn't work out. And that one we let go. I was able to get my earnest money back on all of them and I was able to maintain the relationship with Adam, which I think is so important. And even with the guy that I bought the properties from. I said, you know, Adam, just tell him like this, you know, make sure he understands. Like I'm still a stand-up gal. It's just if there was any way, and I couldn't ask him to reduce it as much as it needed to be reduced. I understood where he was coming. And in the end, he still gave me an amazing haircut on the two properties that I did buy from him. So I negotiated down a deal. And then those appraisals came back in low and he still gave me another 20 grand off of each of those. So I'm like, in the end, I I won, right? I won. I didn't get all four, but I got two and I got a great deal on them. And as I was doing that, I started to have this dream that I've always had about having a second home for us, right? And so I started thinking, gosh, I really, you know, if I'm going to do this, I want to be able to make this happen. And so I started in addition to looking in Tampa, I started looking in North Carolina, which was kind of our our dream area for, for a vacation home. And out of the like the blue, I just happened to call the listing agent on one of the properties that I liked. And he called me back. We talked also for maybe an hour, an hour and a half. And he said, okay, you know, if you're really committed, I'm going to send you a couple of properties. And within a week, um, I had flown up to North Carolina. The first place I walked through, I said, I love it and signed a deal and went from there. And I, I'm, I used one of the CPAs. And as I was talking to the CPAs, we started talking about short-term rentals. So for me, being a full-time employee and my husband and knowing realistically, as much as I I hope at some point, that's part of that's part of the passion of, of doing this, is at some point to be able to maybe do a little less, but it's not going to happen realistically for a few years because I, I feel very obligated to see some of this through, right? You know, I signed on as chief. I want to make sure that certain things happen the, the way they need to happen and, and, and attend to that. 
So when I was talking with the CPA, they said, maybe for you and having also a short-term rental plan will be the best avenue to be able to get those tax benefits mm -hmm. and advance. And for me, I said, that's great. I still want to do the long-term rental too, because eventually I want to be able to have a portfolio that contains both. So that's, that's where we are now. And I've acquired two more short-term rentals since then and now just locked up a deal for a fourth. So wow. that's where four, we're at. So four short-term rentals. Yeah. It will be four. Wow. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Keystone CPA. Are you tired of losing your hard-earned money to taxes each and every year? The truth is that tax savings is not just for the super wealthy. As a real estate investor, you too can take advantage of all the tax saving strategies that are available to help you protect your hard-earned money. Top-selling authors and tax strategists Amanda Hahn and Matt McFarlane specialized in tax-saving strategies, especially for real estate investors. Be sure to check out their website by going to www.keystonecpa.com, that's K-E-Y-S-T-O-N-E-C-P-A.com, to work with Amanda and Matt and make sure to download the free ebook that is available on their homepage. This episode is brought to you by Dan Peck of Caliber Home Loans. If you're an experienced investor, you'll know just how important it is to have a lender who knows how to work with investors. Now we've been working with Dan and his team for over five years now, and he's our go-to whenever we need a residential loan for our investment properties. Now, if you're new to investing, you might not know this, but your lender can sometimes be the difference between getting a great deal or completely missing out on it because your lender couldn't close a deal. Now I did want to point out that Dan can help you not only with your investment properties, but also if you're looking to buy a primary residence or a vacation home. So the next time you're looking for a residential lender, be sure to email Dan at semi-retiredmd at caliberhomeloans.com to get a free consultation. So yeah, how did you far. get over that initial hmm. fear of putting in an offer, locking up a property? Because you went for four properties your first time, right? So how did you do that? Because yeah. I know a lot of people struggle right there. Yeah, I... Like I said, remember that internal optimist that that I am? I just decided I was going to get them. I, I'm going to get them. I'm going to have Adam tell me what I need to do, and we're going to make it work. And I I never even I never even question it. You know, I asked him, let's analyze the deal, right? So I used the the deal calculator and looked at the cash on cash, and we came up with what would be acceptable and what would be good, right? And we offered kind of in between. Those two numbers when we when we offered for the deal, knowing that we'd be able to reduce it eventually and get some hair cut off the tail end, and and he he countered, but only slightly. I mean, I think he countered because it was again it was four properties together. The, the counter offer that he gave us was not unreasonable. We countered back, and he accepted it. So I mean, it was a very very smooth process. You know, part of me was like, oh, holy crap. Like, you know, am I, am I really getting like this whole thing all at once? But, but in the end, I feel like, you know what? It's, it's, I know everybody says this, right? It's always go big or go home. If you're not going to do it, don't do it, right? You have to just commit. I feel like a lot of people, even, you know, that I see on the group that I, that I know in life, right? We, we spend so much energy and time debating with ourselves about how to move forward that we don't actually move forward, right? So you just have to decide that you're going to do it and, and take that step. And that first step is always the hardest, right? But once you start, you realize, you know, I didn't die, right? It's okay. I, I can do this again. And then you just keep on, keep on going. Hmm. But to kind of dive into that a little deeper, I mean, uh, are there fears that you are overcoming or you don't even 
feel those fears of losing money or making a bad decision, those types of things that everybody kind of gets stuck on? Yeah. I mean, I worry, I worry that I get like, am I in over my head, right? Like what happens if tomorrow, you know, coronavirus 2022 comes and it's even worse. And, you know, the the market just tanks, we're in a bubble, what happens? Sure. I mean, I, I have those worries, but I try to, you know, that little box in my brain and, and put them in the box under a lock and key and only let them come out when, you know, when I'm really feeling like I have some time to, to consider them. For me, I you know, we have, we own our own property, right? So we own our primary residence. I know how much equity I have in that. I know how much, how much equity I have in the Boston price. And certainly we leverage some of that equity to be able to have the cash for the deals that we made, but I know, I know my limits, right? So for now, I think, I think we're in a good place. We're lucky enough that we're employed. We're doing well. I, I, I think right now where we're at, I have to wait a little bit now to extract some of the equity and then be able to move forward again. I don't think if somebody offered me the the deal of the century tomorrow, I'd be like, I'd be, I want to say yes, but I have to say, you know what, I've reached, I've reached our limit financially because that would be a fear, right? If I overextend myself to the point that I can't then resalvage something if, if something goes wrong. So sure. Yeah. That I worry about. Mm-hmm. Were you always interested in finances? Cause what I hear is, you know, all the numbers of you know, all your properties and everything. Was that always an interest of yours or is that something that's developed more recently too? My dad was a mathematician. So, I mean, numbers have always been a part of my life. I grew up like every morning, you know, we didn't have computers or phones back then. Um, I'm old. So he would uh, put something on the chalkboard, right? So a little math problem. So every day, starting probably when I was two or three, I had to solve a math problem before I did my breakfast. So I've always liked numbers, finances, and numbers not so much, right? So in general, my husband was always the guy who took care of paying the mortgages, paying the bills, all of that. And I took care of more of the management of the household and the kids and and those sorts of things. So putting that love of numbers into effect is recent. I do quality improvement research. So there's a lot of numbers in that data statistics. So I guess I've always done it, just not in this particular way. Sometimes uh, people say that, you know, starting a, a real estate business, a rental business, like has an impact on their on their kids. Their kids are just watching what they're doing on the phone, you know, going to tour houses. Uh, have you noticed any of that uh, with with your children? Yeah, I mean, my I'll tell you, my daughter loves like looking at properties. She'll she'll be on Zillow. She's twelve, right? So she'll be on Zillow, and all of a sudden, I'll get a little ping on my phone, and it'll be like, "Mama, check out this property," right? And usually, they're they're in places that have no STR possible choice, you know, and they're way out of our league. But, you know, she's so, so excited about it. And she's loved like participating in the decorating and picking things out. And then, you know, the twins, I would say they're, they, they think I'm a little nuts because they're very toe the line, right? So this is not necessarily towing the line because I'm a doctor and I'm supposed to be a doctor, not be a real estate person. So they think I'm a little bit nuts. And my young one, I think he just he's long for the ride. He's the happy-go-lucky guy who kind of, you know, watch what I do. He asks me a lot. They they all ask a lot of questions and we do spend a lot of time talking about it because, you know, as a result, like none of our STRs are in the same location. We, the fourth one we got will be in the same one as, as one of the ones we have. But so we've traveled to them as a family to get things set up and, and they've all participated in, you know, let's like, have to carry the kayak down from the house, which is about 60 steps down to the lake and get it organized and let's clean the boat. And, and they've had to participate. They've done some manual labor for me in order to get things ready. 
I'm wondering if you're paying them <laughs> and putting it into to their Roth. That that's the plan for for this year. Yes, awesome. that's the plan for this year. Well, I'd love to talk a little bit about your short term rentals, but uh, but before I do that, well, what about your colleagues? Do your colleagues look at you funny, or do you just not talk about it with your colleagues? No, I talk about it all the time, right? So mm-hmm. I went through this big mental debate about whether whether to be public about it or not. You know, given my given my position, and also. You know, I where I grew up. So, I, you know, we were talking before we got on on air about I grew up in this tiny town of a thousand people, and so I always have that little little worry. Like, I don't I don't want to come off to people who've known me my whole life as somebody who's a show off. Like, I live a very wonderful life even before real estate. I'm very fortunate, and so I don't I don't want to feel like I'm rubbing anything in anybody's faces. And so I went through a period of time where I was like, no, I'm just going to keep quiet about it. But then as I started doing it and I started realizing there's no reason why other people can't do this on a, maybe a different scale. But, you know, I'm trying to convince my my secretary, actually my assistant to to get involved in real estate. And they they went and stayed at one of our rentals and they left and they were like, we already started writing down all the phone numbers of all the agents. And, you know, because I think I think it's something that people could choose to do again, maybe not on the same scale, but, but I think it's, it's something that's available. And as I started thinking about that, I thought, you know, I need to, I need to be open about it. So it's all, it's all over, like all over my Facebook page, all of my friends at work know a lot of my colleagues, even outside of my division, call me and ask me questions about, about things. So we'll see more to come. A lot of them hopefully are going to take your guys course and become their own real estate, uh, you know, mavens in the future. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you're, you're definitely, it sounds like you're inspiring people and in, unless you put yourself out there, you won't affect people. You won't change people. Right. And you won't. Yeah. It's like the rock, right? It's, it's, you throw the pebble in the right. water and then there's ripples mm-hmm. and you're going to affect your secretary's life. That's going to affect your kid's life. That's mm-hmm. going to affect her sibling's life, you know, and it spreads. It's so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Let's talk about your short-term rentals because, you know, obviously in the course, we talk a lot about long-term rentals and, but, but there's a lot to short-term rentals. We were setting up our short-term rental. It's a lot to short-term rentals that go way beyond, you know, kind of your standard uh, cash flowing long-term rental. So can you tell us about your journey, kind of uh, uh, outfitting your short-term rental and, and getting them up and running? Yeah, yeah, it's very different, right? You know, I think we've talked about a little on the on the page and that it's it's like it's like running a hospitality industry, right? You you're now the CEO of your own hospitality brand, and if you want to get repeat customers and word of mouth recommendations to stay at your place, you have to sell that brand, right? So, you want everything to be as good as it can possibly be within within reason, right? So, um, we were super lucky with that first one that we got that we ended up being able to take um, three weeks off. And I did some telemedicine while we were there and um, and just basically did a ton of work on it. It had been the primary residence of somebody else. So it wasn't a short-term rental. So we did have to change out most of the furniture, although they left a lot of things. It wasn't necessarily things that fit with the aesthetic that I was going for. So we did a lot of donations. I shipped a ton of stuff. Our real estate agent was um, allowing us to ship things to his office beforehand. And he he and my husband used to have like side conversations about, oh my gosh, Elise's spending habits. What are you guys going to do? Like, you know, because bed frames would be showing up at his office and all these things. So 
thanks thanks to Doug because he really helped us out being able to have all of the things there. That way, when we got in, we were able to you know quickly start building. So we spent three weeks there. The, the second property, we had less than 24 hours to prepare. Um, and that one was a little bit stressful and it was my own fault. So I, it didn't close when I thought it was going to close. So it closed actually about a month later and I had foolishly already listed it on Airbnb and I already had guests and they were checking in the same day that we closed. So we got the owners to agree to allow us to pay them for a one night stay the day before. And we basically spent 16 hours was all we had. We had 16 hours um, and, you know, we just made like a bunch of runs to Home Depot and Marshalls and Target and did as much as we could. And then we're like, okay. Um, and then we left and they came and the first guests gave us a five-star review. So it didn't go that bad, obviously. But in the back of my mind, you know, that, that might've been one of the moments where my husband was like, I cannot believe I'm with you on this journey. Like, this is insane. What did you ask me to do? Right. So, and then the third one, the last STR that we uh, released, I hadn't been to it until after we already had guests in there for some time. So I just went up there recently because we, we negotiated to get a golf cart with the property and I had to get the golf cart licensed um, and assigned to me and I could only do it in person. So I had to fly up there. It was another 24 hour thing. I flew up there. I got the golf cart license. I got it insured. I changed the license plates, which I had never done. That was an, that was a new thing. I didn't realize how hard they are to change in a golf cart. Cause like the wing nuts, like there's nothing holding them in, in the back. So it, it was, anyway, it was a little more than I had bargained for. And then I went and introduced myself, obviously to the people who were staying. And I'm like, Hey, can I just like walk through? Cause believe it or not, I have never been here before. And I, they were really nice ladies. So I hung out with them for a little bit and made a list of the things that I need to order and, and take care of. And, and that's it. So it's been interesting. It's been interesting. So a different, like three weeks, one day and zero time is how much time we had to prepare for our SDRs. Wow. I'm so impressed. I think it took yeah. us months to pull months. ours together yeah. and going up there like every week. We were not organized. Well, like I mean, well, that, awesome. but we were working around a construction project that's too. True. So that was pretty hard. But yeah, that's incredible. I mean, like, so was that on purpose to get those bookings before <laughs> before you even... Because most people will kind of wait, right? They'll they'll kind yeah, of get everything. I would everything not recommend. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I would not recommend. Like my I I don't suffer from high blood pressure, but I'm pretty sure that I was like peak blood pressure that that 24 hours because wow. you know, up until the the day that we cl- I didn't know that that we were actually going to close that day and we had guests coming in, so in my mind I'm thinking well, what happens if we don't close? Like, are they going to let them stay there and then they take the money? And I'm trying to work through all of these scenarios. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't suggest listing it before you have it as a done deal. It was a lot of stress. Yeah, it was, it was rough. Wow. So I'm wondering, where do you want to be with mm-hmm. your portfolio? Let's say in three or five years, do you have a vision of what that looks like? Yeah, I do. I mean, my my goal right now, and obviously I'm sure the targets will change, but I have this idea in my mind that I'm going to purchase three short-term rentals a year for five years and then keep a 15 property portfolio that I kind of negotiate to bigger and, and or better or different properties over time. Cause I don't think I want to have too many because then I won't be able to appropriately manage them and, and maintain the brand the way I want it to. And then with a the long-term rental angle, I hope to add probably two a year. So trying to kind of get five properties a year. Um, and then we'll see, we'll see where that takes me. 
Wow. Wow. That's awesome. I want to, I want to just point out, I love how you're talking about yourself, like what you're building as a brand, Mm -hmm. right? You really have like embodied that CEO. I'm building a brand. I'm building a company. I'm an entrepreneur spirit. Mm -hmm. Like it's pretty awesome. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, we, we definitely need to talk offline about your short-term rentals because uh, <laughs> it's. Uh, I, I love to hear about some of the details. I mean, it could be a whole another episode, but I love to hear some of the de- details, especially around you know managing it and also listing it, and because there are a lot of little things that you can do to kind of you know increase your occupancy, increase your nightly rate, and things like that. So I'd love to kind of hear about that, but for another episode. Yeah. Um, in closing, we you know we we always ask our guests two questions. And the first question is, uh, what is your definition of rich? Okay. Um, I had a little time to think about this. So I, I think for me, the, the definition of being rich is having options. I think people who I don't consider as having wealth or, or affluence or richness in their lives, it's either because of the circumstances that were handed to them or that were, that were created around them that they just don't have options to change, right? Whether it be where they live or their education, their family, right? We're all born into certain circumstances. And, and I think those circumstances influence the ability to have options. So for me, richness is having multiple options at my disposal and knowing that if one option falls through, I have those other options to fall back on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so it sounds like real estate is one of those options for you. Yeah. Sure. Awesome. And then what is that one mindset, habit, or strategy that separates someone who is rich from someone who is poor? Yeah. This one I struggle with a little bit more, right? Because I think, I, I think it's the ability to, to quiet the negatives, right? I think that people who succeed are able to not necessarily ignore that there are possible downsides to things, but be able to push past them and to commit to things fully and and not just part way. And for me, I think that's that's what really differentiates the person who's going to be able to get things done is just the ability to commit and and to quiet all of those naysayers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Yeah, because so yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I mean, those are the things that yeah that stop us in our tracks sometimes, right? Or keep us from, like you said, committing or making the decision that you're going to go do something. Yeah. I know that, that we have developed this skill in our, in each other actually over time. Like, I think people think we're crazy. Like, for example, we were talking to our lawyer and we're, and he said, oh yeah, I'm thinking about moving my company to Nevada. And we're like, well, why? And he tells us, we're like, oh, okay, we'll move. We'll move to Nevada. Why not? (laughs) just decided, right? you know? Right. And and then we just decided in that phone call to do it, and we yeah. probably didn't spend as, as much time thinking through the downsides, but yeah, <laughs> but that is a, that's a discipline that you need, right? You need to really kind of think through both, not just the upsides because the upsides are easy to see, but just think through those downsides. But then, as you said, right, don't let those, don't let the the downsides, right, or uh, fear of the downsides. or or fear of the downsides. Right. Uh, essentially stop you from from making progress uh, if if it's ultimately the right decision mm-hmm. to move forward. So right, yeah. yeah. Obviously, there's going to be situations where somebody tells you not to do something, and they're telling you because you really shouldn't do it, right? So, yeah. but if if the information that you have is good, you got to move forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Love that. Such an incredible story, and we're so grateful for you joining us. Mm-hmm. I I think this episode is going to inspire a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. And, and always thank you for helping out with the course and, and for being such a presence in our Facebook groups too. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Thank you guys for having me. It's been a lot of fun.
The Doctors Building Wealth podcast provides information only and does not provide any financial, legal, tax, medical, or psychological services or advice. You are responsible for your own financial, physical, mental, and emotional well-being, decisions, choices, actions, and results. You should contact a professional if you have any specific questions about your unique situation.